Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. First things first, I want everyone to know that I do not speak that way. I have no earthly idea who she was imitating, but it was not me. I speak with nothing but the finest of the Queen's English. And I'll have my tea with my pinky out. Seriously, guys, thank y'all for being here. And as always, very first thing we're going to do is we're going to thank our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I told the last service this. I'm going to tell you this. The reason why I do that, see, when you say, I'd like to thank my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, first thing you get, the boo birds come out to you. Oh, you're a Bible thumper. Oh, you think you're perfect. Oh, like you've never done anything. Why in the world do you think I'm thanking Jesus Christ? I'm not thanking him because I've been perfect. If I was perfect, I wouldn't need to thank him. I'm thanking him because I'm not perfect. You see, there was a time on earth where if you didn't do what God told you to do, he might tell you one or two times and then that was it. He was going to put a stop to your foolishness. Go back and go read the Old Testament. God saw fit. He saw his, the humans that he made, and he said, I love these people. And he said, I'm going to offer a sacrifice for their sin so I can set them free so that they can make a choice, so that they can come because they may, not because they must. And he sent Jesus Christ down to give his... Before Jesus Christ came to earth, my life was ordained. He knew that Mark Robinson was going to be the chief sinner. He knew that Mark Robinson was going to know right and still do wrong. He knew that he was going to tell Mark Robinson what to do, and he was going to still turn his back and go in the opposite direction. Saved but sinning. Boy, it got quiet in here when I said that. That's something we need, the church need to talk more about that one. We need to talk to ourselves more about that one. Saved but sinning. He knew it. But he still came down here and gave his life as a sacrifice for me. And not only that, has never abandoned me. Yeah. 
You ask my wife, even when we made the most foolish decisions we could have made in our lives, we looked up. And when everybody else was gone, Jesus was still right there with us, saying, I know who you are. Who you are was ordained from the beginning, and as long as you could continue, continue to believe in me, I'll be there for you, and he has. So that's why I thank him every time I take this stage. I don't care whether it's at church or whether I'm standing up in front of the United Atheists of America. They're going to hear me say I thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because I'm not ashamed to say he's the reason why I've been sustained. So how many of y'all know who I am? How many of y'all? Okay, that's a few of y'all. Uh. I'm not going to give you my life's history, and here's why. If you want my life's history uh, up to this point in my life, you're going to have to go on Amazon to get it. <laughs> Here comes a shameless book plug. <laughs> I have a book being released about my life. It's called We Are the Majority, The Life and Passions of a Patriot. If you'd like to find out some fascinating stories about Mark Robinson, the crazy guy who screamed at the city council and became lieutenant governor. Go on Amazon and buy the book. So that's not what we're going to talk about today. What I'm going to talk to you about today is something in our society that has become uh, quite insidious. You know, it sounds innocuous. It sounds wonderful. But how, how many of y'all know that's what the devil does? See, the devil is supposed to come to earth as an angel of light. Y'all, how many of y'all have heard that? The devil is supposed to come to earth as an angel of light. How many of y'all know how TV works? TV is literally light particles broken down and put back together inside your TV screen and presented to you as programming. That's another sermon for another time. But that's how the devil comes to us. He comes to us in nice little cute little phrases, likes to package things up in little phrases. Here's one of the phrases that he has used in our society to degenerate our society, to vex the minds of our youth and sway the minds of the old. It's a phrase called social justice. Social justice has weaved its way into everything, into education. Huh. It's weaved its way into education in the highest levels, the lowest levels, and in the middle. Social justice has weaved its way into entertainment, even into athletics. And here's the most devastating part. It has weaved its way into the church. I said this in the first service, and I mean it. Now, people can get mad, get mad at me if you want to. But there's people that are going to church right now. They'll go to church today, and it will listen to a doctrine of social justice instead of listening to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. They will adhere to the doctrine of social justice because they chose to go to church and hear the doctrine of social justice instead of Jesus Christ. They will be on their way to hell with the best of intentions, of course, but still on their way to hell because they refuse to acknowledge the true doctrine 
that saves and directs and guides and gives wisdom. Leaning on something called social justice. Let me tell you a story about when I went to the university. Uh, went to class one day. We get in class and all the students there were sitting in the desk and uh, the teacher, the professor says, we're going to do something a little different here today. She says, I want you to move all the desk out of the way. And I want everybody to go stand against the wall. And when she did, I said, oh, God, here we go with this again. I'd already done it in another class. So I knew what to expect. I'd already been apprised of it. So we all lined up against the wall. And she said, uh, I'm going to give a statement. And then after I give the statement, I'm going to say, give you a certain amount of steps to take forward with each one. And so we all understood the rules. And first thing I think she said was, if you had a two-parent household, take three steps forward. Some people took three steps forward. Some people didn't. Then she said, if you went to a private school, take three steps forward. Some people moved. Some people didn't. Then she was saying, oh, oh man, if you, if you went to Europe on a private jet, take 15 steps forward. She kept asking these ridiculous questions, and when she got finished asking these questions, she told the people who got all the way to the other side of the room, she said, now to those who got all the way across the room, I want you to turn around and look at those you left behind. She said, this is what privilege looks like. And then she looked over at me, and I'm leaning against the wall, staring at her, waiting to go back to talk about what I paid her to talk about instead of this foolishness. And she looked at me and she said, uh, you didn't take any steps. And I said, no, I didn't. And she said, uh, well, did you not do any of these things, none of these things to apply, apply to you? And I looked at her and I said, some of them I did. Some of them I haven't. I said, but let me tell you about where I came from. I grew up in a little red and green ramshackle house that was infested with rats. I was number nine of ten children. My mother was uneducated. My father was an alcoholic who beat her incessantly. I witnessed domestic violence in my house. I saw an incident once where my mother and father fought with a claw hammer, bloodied each other with it all throughout the house. Said, I grew up, grew up going downtown here in Greensboro looking at the businessmen and their secretaries and feeling less than a human. I said, that's where I came from. But I said, let me tell you something about where I stand right now. I said, where I'm standing right now, I am the smartest person in this classroom. And I said, I don't say that out of arrogance or without proof. Because everybody in this classroom, up to and including you, was willing to participate in this farce. I was not. And I said, let me tell you something about privilege. You see them kids over there on the other side of the, of, the, of the room? I learned more about life and what's important in life. Playing in the dirt in my front yard with my brothers and sisters than they ever could have learned on a private jet going to Europe. I learned more over a bowl, a simple bowl of grits because that was all we had to eat in our house than they ever could have learned over the sumptuous meals over their great dining halls. 
because I learned what was important in life. Because of that, I built a wisdom that taught me not to be engaged in foolishness like this. You see, social justice and his lessons is a folly. You know what the Bible says about folly? The Bible says the same way a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool to his folly. See, the Bible, people love to put the, say the Bible. Is, the Bible is this nice book. It teaches you how to be nice, and you got to be nice and kind all the time. I would encourage you to read the words of our God. He was not playing. And he is not playing with you now. You think because he took his hand off of you and allowed you to make the choice between heaven and hell that hell is still not hot? I assure you that it is. I can only imagine what it must, people say, I can only imagine what heaven must be like. Imagine what it must be like to hear God tell you, I want nothing else to do with you. All the goodness that I created, you will never be part of it again. The sunshine, the air, none of it. Forever, for all eternity, you will be separated from it. You'll be able to see it off in the distance. You'll be able to hear those angels praising me from the other side, but you will no longer imagine what that must be like. Because of that, we must adhere to the truth. and We must turn away from that thing called social justice. We must keep it out of our hearts. We must keep it out of our minds. We must keep it away from our children, and we must keep it out of our churches. It's a dangerous doctrine that leads to foolishness. Now, I want to show you a picture here. Put that first picture up there on the, on the screen. Take a look at that picture. Got two words there at the bottom. Equality. Equity. You see, this is the kind of stuff that social justice warriors present to try to make their argument about why Equality isn't any good. Why equity is the way to go. Let's talk about equality first. You know, in the Declaration of Independence, say, we hold this truth to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed with their creator by certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You see, a fool who does not adhere to wise counsel hears equality and say, well, all men are created equal. That means if I want to, you know, be a man and swim in the women's swimming pool. What's wrong with that? By that doctrine, I think the NBA should pay me millions of dollars to be a point guard. I was created equal. You see, they leave out the major, they leave out the whole phrase, like a lot of people do with the Bible. They don't take the whole phrase. Like they did with that woman at the well. They just like say Jesus forgave her, but they always leave out the part where he said, go and sin no more. Leave that part out. I don't, I don't want to talk about that because I want to do my bad stuff. Equality. 
You are equal because you've been endowed by your creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You can pursue happiness. I can go out right now and pursue my happiness by trying to get a tryout with the Lakers. Guess what? After the tryout, the team's not going to be happy, and neither am I. <laughs> Got to use some common sense here. God created all men equal, but he didn't, increase, he didn't not create them for equal purposes. To each his own, he gave. For each purpose he gave. But they try to twist that word equality and say it's not good enough. So they got this little fancy word over here, equity. Equity. See, because they all had a box, and, and, and now, they, now they took the boxes and lined them up right. So now the little fella can see over the fence too. That looks pretty good, doesn't it? Looks pretty good. Till you really examine the picture. What's wrong with this picture? Here it is. They all got a box. They can all see the game over the fence. But they're on the outside of the fence. Look on the inside of the stadium in there. There's something in there called a seat. Something in there called hot dogs and drinks. She had to pay to get in there. This proposition here tells these folks, hey, you ain't got to go in there. You ain't got to do it right. You don't have to follow the rules. We'll give you a box or two to stand on outside, outside of the arena, outside the stadium. Oh, now, now, I don't want you in here coming in the stadium now. Because you might come in here and sit next to my little Billy. And I know how you people are. Now, y'all need to just stay out there on your box. I gave you your box. Be happy. And I say that to point out something else. Look at what color the people are on them boxes. How are you going to tell me you care about them? when the only thing you're concerned about doing is helping them to continue to break the rules and stand outside the game. Yeah. Yeah, we care about you. But I don't want you inside the game. Stand out here on this box that I gave you to stand on. Like Lyndon Johnson said one time, can't give them a whole lot. Just give them enough to satisfy, satisfy their bellies, satisfy their minds and their itching ears. Just give them enough, but keep them outside. This fella asked me about Juneteenth, if I celebrate Juneteenth, and I said, no, sir, I don't live in Texas. No need for me to celebrate Juneteenth. That's for somebody down in Texas to celebrate. I said, uh, Juneteenth was created because some slaves in Texas didn't know that uh, Abraham Lincoln had issued the Emancipation Proclamation and told them that they were free in the southern states. See, Juneteenth didn't end slavery. 
Juneteenth did not end slavery. There were states still in the Union, in the border states, where slavery was still legal. Then I asked him, I said, do you celebrate December 6th, 1865? He said, I said, does that date mean anything to you? Well, no, sir, it doesn't. I said, June, uh, December 6th, 1865 was the date the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution was ratified by enough states to become law, which abolished slavery in writing. The United States of America made the declaration that slavery would no longer be allowed within his borders. And they put it to bed for all time. And they did it in writing. And they did it in our legal document. Not by some declaration that only uh, freed a few folks in a warring nation. It did it all across the land and set the stage for what would become after that. You see, people love to throw up Juneteenth. The left, I, I always wondered, why do they love Juneteenth so much? Because Juneteenth gives you a box to stand on outside of the arena. They don't want you to be all up in the Constitution saying, hey, wait a minute. I ain't got to stand outside the Constitution. I'm looking here and I, I see myself in this Constitution. This Constitution is as much mine as it is anybody else's. It was written for me just like it was for anybody else. I have a seat at the table too. And it's not down in Texas with Juneteenth. It's right there in Washington, D.C. in that document called the Constitution. Always driving that wedge that keeps folks out of the stadium. In short, let me tell you what this, this picture here really means. Put that second picture up there. That's what it really means. On that side over here, there are three boxes, communism. That's just how communism works. The biggest dog in communism has all the trappings, always has. The biggest dog in communism is the one sending people off to the gulags. The biggest dog in communism is eating a sumptuous meal at the table while his people are starving. It's exactly how communism works. But see, in socialism, that's how socialism works. Oh, yeah. We're going to give you what you need, but we're only going to give you enough. You ain't ever going to reach your full potential. You'll never get the full experience of the game. We'll give you just enough to be happy. You'll be able to see the promised land, but you won't ever be able to go into it. That's what socialism, communism does. Communism has killed more people in, killed more people in the 20th century than any political ideology in the world's history. People always talk about the Nazis, and they were terrible, terrible people, but they were a cheap carbon copy of the communists. When the Nazis killed six million, the communists killed 10 million, up to 10 million before World War II even started. 
then killed hundreds of millions after it was over. The killing went right on going. The great nation state of uh, the United Kingdom used to have a saying that said, the sun never sets on the British Empire. And that was a fact. The British Empire stretched around the globe and wherever the sun was shining, it was shining somewhere on the British flag in some nation. But after World War II was over, the British decided to embrace uh, something called uh, socialism. By the end of the decade, the nation couldn't even pick its own trash up off the streets. And the nation has never really recovered and has never been the same. Socialism and communism are a philosophy of greed and failure, just like Winston Churchill said. And they have destroyed lives and nations all across the globe. That's what they're trying to weave into our society right now. That's what they're off right now trying to teach the children down at the university. The tenets of socialism, which has not helped a single solitary soul on this planet. Not one. Except for those who push it. And those rulers who rule during it. You know, there's a good saying that says you can vote your way into socialism. You have to shoot your way out. That's what that really means. Now, let me tell you what we need to be telling our children. Put that third slide up there. Not the third one. That's the last one. Third one. There we go. That's what we need to be telling our children right here. Take a look at that. What's the race of that gentleman there? What color is his skin? What country did he come from? What neighborhood did he grow up in? How much money does he have in his pocket? As, as we say in our neighborhood, who his people is? <laughs> it does not matter where he came from. It does not matter what his skin color is. It does not matter who his people is. Look where he stands. Look at his arms raised up hope. Look what he is looking at. He's not standing on a box in the heat, peering over a fence illegally. He either purchased or was given a ticket, and he is inside the stadium probably has a beer or a soda at his feet and the remnants of a hot dog down there, maybe some popcorn. Maybe he's got his family with him. He is getting the full experience of the game. And you can't even see his face or his countenance, but you can see the joy in the image of his body with his hands raised up. And the same is the same for all those people who did it right. This is the joy of adhering to wise counsel. This is the joy of doing it right. This is the joy of buying a ticket legally, coming through the gates and having the full experience of the game. You see, that's what America and Americans and patriots and lovers of God want you to have. 
They don't want you to stand outside the game on a box. They want you to come in and have a seat. See, if you cared about those people outside that stadium, if you really cared about them, you went out there and you told them, you know what, why y'all outside? Well, we don't have enough money to get in the game. Well, guess what? I got a few extra dollars in my pocket. Y'all come on around here to this front gate. I'm going to buy you a ticket and have come on in here so you can sit down. Not only am I going to buy you a ticket so you can come sit down, I'm going to buy you a hot dog and a soda. You know why? Not because I want to give you the gift of this game. I want you to come in and experience what it's like to sit inside the stadium so you can go back and you can tell others, don't stand outside the stadium. Do what you need to do to get a ticket to get inside because you can never reach your full potential by standing outside on that box. But you see, that's not what they want. They want you to stand outside. They want you to stand outside on that box and wait on your welfare check. They want you to stand outside and wait, stand on that box and wait for them to come down and tell you, uh, I, I, I need you to come down here and, and, and protest uh, uh, with the Black Lives Matter. Uh, so we can uh, help help a uh, so-and-so candidate uh, uh, push this agenda. Uh, we need you to get down off the box and come down here and burn up your neighborhood so you can be on TV. And then finally, uh, we need you to come down here and get off your box and come down here and come push this button for my name. Even though I have not done a thing for you, but given you a box to stand on outside the game. And who is it they want to keep out of the game? Who is it? I'll show you who they want to keep out of the game. Put that last picture up here. There you go. Look at that picture. How many people know who that is? That little skinny fella sitting there on that banister. That's me. That's my daddy sitting right beside me. That's my sister standing on the porch. That's who they want to keep out of the game. You see these people that, that push this agenda, that need this cannon fodder to run their agendas. You know what cannon fodder is? Cannon fodder is cheap cloth that you wad up behind the cannonball that gets burned up when you light the fuse, but it helps that cannonball go farther. And after that cannonball has gone off to do its mission, you reach it in, you dig out that cannon fodder, which just happens to be black at that point, and throw it away like trash. Serve this mission. Get out of here till the next time. See, when they see somebody like that, they see their cannon fodder. Somebody that's going to serve their purposes. They got every prediction for somebody like that. Oh, you're going to be a drug addict. You're going to be a gangbanger. You're going to be in jail or the graveyard or on the street corner slinging dope. You're going to beat your wife and not take care of your children. There is not any way in Hades they ever would have thought that that child 
would have become the first black lieutenant governor of North Carolina. No way. No way would they have thought it. And they really would not have thought it if they had known the things that I was going to say, that there's not but two genders and that you have the right to defend yourself with an AR-15. And the government is not your daddy and not your God. I can guarantee you, if they had knew who I was in the womb, they'd have done just like the king who talked to the wise men. Tell me where he is so I can go see him. And they'd have marked me for death because I'm going to tell you what they can't stand. I'm going to tell you what they can't stand in this society. You know them folks on the other side of the aisle for me? They ain't never had it for black folk. Once upon a time, we were in the slave, slave plantation. And they looked at us like we were less than. Then we were in Jim Crow, and they looked at us like we were less than. Now we run the social justice game, and they looking at us like we are less than. And as soon as one of us popped up and say, I'm a man made in God's image, and I will not adhere to your foolishness, and I will stand up for this nation and for my God, then they mark you for death and point at you and call for your destruction. You see, that's who they want to stay outside the game. Because I know, I was around 1975 maybe, and you see how little I am. I was scared of everything, scared of my own shadow. And the uh, very first time I was never, wasn't scared of something, I was standing in my front yard playing in the dirt, playing with a little truck. And I looked up and I saw these people walking towards me. And I stood up and I poked out my little baby bird chest. <laughs> and I looked at them and I thought, I don't know why. I want to fight those people. I don't like them. I told the other group, I said, uh, I want to turn into the American dream, Dusty Rose, and give them all the bionic elbow. <laughs> you see, those people were hippies. What you call hippies. And I didn't know it at the time, but I found out later that what they really were, they weren't really just hippies. They were communists. Communist workers who had come to Greensboro to try to finagle black folks to join the Communist Party. They tried to get my brother and sister to join. And they were down there telling us, oh, we got your best interests at heart because we know you little weak, stupid people. You can't do anything on your own. You need us. There's no way you can succeed at anything without our help. And we're down here to help you and help you fight the Ku Klux Klan. Now, mind you, to this point in my life, I had never seen a Ku Klux Klansman. I still think I've only maybe seen a man in a Ku Klux Klan robe once. But they were there to assure us that they would protect us from the Ku Klux Klan. And we were there, we we're there to give you and help you, help you, help you. They weren't here to help us. They were literally there to capture us to make us slaves again to a political system that would stifle our lives and destroy our communities, to continue the good work of good old Lyndon Johnson and his great society program, which replaced the black father with a welfare check. 
and replace the American dream with the projects in black communities. That's what they were there for. They weren't there to give me the American dream. They were there to give me a box to stand on outside of the stadium so that I could never realize my full potential. See, because when they drove through those neighborhoods, I knew they were looking at them little black boys and them little black girls going, oh, 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 there's gold out there. There's gold out there. And if the other side mines that gold, one of those little Negroes might end up becoming the president of the United States and they might throw all of our plans off. That's literally what they were saying. We can't let the other side have this strong and powerful people. And I say that with all confidence because Americans are strong and powerful people. Each set of Americans, no matter what part of the globe you've come from, you've had, your people have had struggles. The Irish survived the potato famine. The Italians survived their troubles. The French have survived theirs. And black folks survived the Middle Passage and the slave plantations and Jim Crow. And you see, those people know that we are strong and effective people, that we have lived the story of overcoming oppression just like all other Americans. And they have targeted us for death through a program called social justice. And they are weaving it across this country in education and in religion. And the target is folks like that right there. Well, I had a mama who knew that I had a target on my back. And she knew the only shield that could keep that target from hitting this mark was the blood of Jesus Christ. Because she prayed that blood over me, I was protected. I was protected. So now what do we do about this? What do we do about it? What do we do about this wickedness called social justice? First thing we need to do is realize who we are. We're not weak, ineffective, jelly-backed people. I'm tired of people telling me because I'm a Christian, because I'm black, I'm supposed to be walking around talking about nobody knows the trouble I know. What's that other one? We shall overcome. We shall. Not one time in my life when I faced adversity did I say, you know, I shall overcome. My God tells me that when I face adversity, that number one, I am to stand up like a man. M-A-N. Unbend your back and stand up like a man. Number two, look at your family and say, stand back, I got this. Number three, put on the whole armor of God. It ain't said nothing about no, oh, it's me. Put that armor on and then do like David. Go into battle and take the head of your enemy in God's name. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be the Christians that God has called us to be. And we are called, here we're getting ready to get in trouble, called to be led by men. 
God sent women out when he was supposed to do, when they had to do that thing. But when it was time to face down Goliath, sent David, not DeVita, David. When it was time to lead the Israelites out of Israel, he sent Moses. Not Mama Moses, Daddy Moses. See, God knew what he was doing when he made men big and hairy and ugly. Because you're supposed to scare away predators, whether they're in the woods or standing in front of your kids in elementary school. That's the first thing we got to do. The second thing we got to do is we got to get back to the instruction manual. There's an instruction manual for life, and I don't care what anybody says, like this or not. It's called the Bible. And because we have forgotten that in a nation that was created by God's word, our uh, country is falling apart. I'm uh, talking to the daddies now. Uh, all y'all know, tell me if I'm wrong. Christmas time. The young man got a bicycle. You told the people at Walmart or Kmart, no, I'll put it together myself. So you put it together yourself. And when you got done, you had that one screw. You weren't quite sure where it went. Until baby comes in crying. Because the handlebars fell off. Then mama picks up the instruction manual and says, I think that screw went in the handlebars. That is what is happening in America right now. We are not reading the instruction manual for life. And because of that, what's happening? We got men in the women's swimming pool. We got teachers in elementary school teaching children about filth. Yes, I called it filth because it is. We got teachers indoctrinating instead of educating. We got criminals out here screaming that we should be disarmed and the border should be wide open funny. The same people that want the borders wide open, a lot of them got gates around the house. Wouldn't, I'm a legal citizen. They wouldn't even let me inside the gates of their own home. Tickled me one time I saw, uh, what's that lady, Maxine Waters. Video of Maxine Waters. A bunch of people come down to her office to protest. And when she got down there, she said, look, all of you people I understand what all y'all are trying to say, but y'all need to go home. The protesters looked at it and said, that's what we're protesting. We're homeless. You see how that works? But we're not telling the truth anymore. And we're not following the instructions. We have the greatest instruction manual in the world right on our coffee tables. And we reach right over that dusty Bible to get that remote control that the numbers have been worn off of. See, because we have to start making some choices of how we're going to be. 
have to start making some choices of who you're going to be like. You're going to be like a little self-help guru. Last service was talking about Dr. Phil. Is that who you're going to turn to for help? You know, you got to just do something that makes sense. Just it makes sense. You know, if your head is hurting, stop banging it on the wall. It's common sense. Dr. Phil tells you all the stuff your grandma told you that you didn't listen to. I don't know how he makes these millions of dollars. You going to listen to him? You going to listen to the man at the, uh, the mega church? You know, the man at the mega church, the one that got the micro gospel? That who you going to listen to? You know, you got the great big old church. You know, 10,000 people at every service sitting in there. You go in there, you don't hear Jesus' name mentioned one time. You don't hear abortion talked about one time. You don't hear nothing about no transgenders in the school, nothing. All you hear about is you can do it if you believe it. Doggone it, you're that good. <laughs> Got to get back to some Bible teaching and some Bible truth because here it is. Here's the last part. You got somebody you really need to imitate. Now, we all want to be Jesus. I got bad news for you. Taint but one Jesus. He didn't come but twice. He didn't come the second time. Now, I'm suspecting that maybe Jesus might get fed up here in the next 15 minutes and just come on back. He might, you know, I was, I was expecting to come back 10, 15 years from now, but guys, come on, really. I can't take this anymore. Let's go ahead and get this done. And there's number one Jesus. None of us can be Jesus. None of us going to be perfect. All of us going to fall short. You can strive all you want to, but here's who you can be. You can be him. You can be a man called John the Baptist. The one that Jesus Christ called the greatest man ever born to a woman. Jesus, uh, John the Baptist came to earth, proclaimed Jesus, told the king of truth, and got his head cut off. Not just got his head cut off, had his head delivered to his worst enemy on earth in a basket. That is not a story any of us want to emulate. But it's all a story we should be willing to emulate to stand up for God's truth. You want to stand up and fight against this thing called social justice and all the things, the wickedness that it stands up for? Stand up and proclaim God's truth. Follow his instructions. Follow his will and be the people he would have you to be. And we can win this battle all day and every day and twice on Sunday. Let's stand up and get it done, guys. God bless you all. God bless this church and God bless the great state of North Carolina. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.